past them. Nice ball away to Callahan. Callahan drifts down the left-hand side, square with the box, pauses for a moment. Got Dixon on him, goes round Dixon on the inside, then on the outside, gets it back, it goes Saunders, and a goal from Phil G. What a goal! What a shot from Phil G. On the half volley. Lukic caught on the wrong foot. The ball went past his right ear and straight into the back of the Arsenal net. Phil G, the toast of Derby, with the shot of his career, I would have thought, though Phil's had a couple of crackers in his time. What a goal, and it's Derby County 2, Arsenal 1, with just 11 minutes to go. So welcome along to part one of our look back at Derby County season. There's a couple of my mates who we catch up after most home games and, and dissect what's happened and then talk football. So I thought I'm lucky enough to be able to do it. So we'll uh, we'll get them on and have a chat about the whole season. So live from Tutbury, Mr. Matt McGibbon, how are you, Matt? I'm very good, pal. How are you? I'm all right, thank you. I'm all right. And uh, live from well, you look quite exotic there, Phil. Uh, someone's doing well. Where are you? No, I'm in Salou, mate. A um, little week away. Away from the real world. Nice one. Are you all right though? Yeah, fine, mate. Yeah, yeah. I thought we were going to. So I said eleven o'clock my time, so I've been sat in the bar for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> we're a week removed from Derby, just missing out on the on the playoffs, Matt. With um, the news that obviously the, there'll be a bit of a relaxation of the the transfer embargo and, and stuff like that, and looking at what happened with Sheffield Wednesday on. On Friday night, does it look like a little bit of a blessing in disguise? Maybe that we can we've missed out and then we can go again, maybe a bit stronger next season. Yeah, we, we've said before. I mean, I don't think there's ever a good or a bad time to to go up because people say, well, you know, or next season we'll come back stronger. But it, it's all down to what you retain squad wise, um, because you basically start again if if you're going to lose seven, eight, ten players in the summer, you're starting all over again. But it's just a big thing now that this relaxation of the embargo that just gives us a chance now where we can be on a more of a level playing field with those sort of top seven or eight that will be hopefully that will be challenging next season to, to take us up. So, Bill, you've obviously achieved promotion in your in your time. Do you agree with that? About there's never a good time to go up. Really, Have you, is there a case of you've just got to take the opportunity when you get it and just try and get out of the league? Yeah, well, when we uh, when we got when we got promoted from. The old third to this, the second. Um, I remember a record an interview with Stuart Webb saying that you know that we'll uh, sort of consolidate, we'll build, and you know hope to push for promotion in two, maybe three seasons. But you know we didn't listen to him. <laughs> we went straight up, <laughs> and you struggled the first season, but then you know you, you build on that. And Paul Warren in the summer, if we have got the the the, the the, the restraints took off us, then he can build a team that he wants. He's done it before. I think that's an important important thing that he's he's obviously he knows this league and he, he's got his idea of what he wants his squad to be, but he has to bring his players in, doesn't he? Yeah, he's got he's got to he's it's got to be his own players and he's got to get the players who can play the way he wants to play. You've um you've always had dealings with him, Matt, on a on a match day this season, the manager. Have you been impressed by him? Because everything I've seen, he really impresses me as a as a man and a man manager, does he come across like that? Have you been impressed by him? I have, yes. He's, he's very down to earth. And I think basically what you see is what you get with him. You know, he's uh, he's very honest in his interviews. He never sort of goes overboard um, when we've had, had good performances. And, and I think, again, 
he's got a good backroom staff with him and, and they've obviously been on the journey with him, which, which always helps, doesn't it? Just have those couple of people. And you can see with, with Frank at the minute at, at Chelsea what's happening there. And he's he's not got Jody with him anymore. And all of a sudden, you know, that sort of cohesive partnership that you've had, um, you're looking around, well, who's on my side here? I know he's, he's got Chris Jones with him, hasn't he, at Chelsea? But, um, you know, to lose Jody is, was a big thing. And, and I think the fact that uh, the gaffer has got Richie Barker and Matt, um, who've been there with him and, and the keeping coach too, it, it's a big thing because they, they know the sort of weaknesses and the strengths in those lower divisions and, and how to get out of it. It's going to be like the first summer in a in a long time. I was trying to think back. I think it was maybe Gary Rowett who's finished the season, then gets a full summer to try and build his his squad together. That's that's really important as well, isn't it? That you can you can go into next year and you can build what he wants. Well, it, it is, but I think Gary had quite a few constraints, didn't he, at the time going into it. Whereas, hopefully, you know, uh, as I say, now we can actually sign players. It, it's got it's got to be massive because. We weren't on a level playing field with with the Ipswiches and and, and your Sheffield Wednesdays uh, on you know the, the guys that we could bring in. So, Bill, you've been going quite a bit this season to to a lot of the home games. Have you been impressed by by what you've seen? What what have you made of of Derby in the as a League One side? First, uh, I went to the first game and they they they, they did okay. They did okay. Um, the sort of the latter part of the season where I thought they'd have because they went on a, an amazing run and not losing a game. And then they lost, they lost one, and they just keep. They, it just seems as if they, all the confidence drained out of them. And they, you know, I went to. The, I think it was the Fleetwood game, and it, I think it was the worst game of football that played by a Derby County team I'd ever seen. And I, I think I said that to both of you in the in the in the bar after the game. Just so we feel though, on about when he went had the sort of back to back promotions. How did he find the the level the levels? Oh. Of- the level was so yeah, it was a hell of a difference, mate. Hell of a difference, Matt. Um, you know, everybody was a lot quicker, a lot quicker thinking. Um, you know, I, I can remember being in the corner, John. Me, I was defending, which didn't happen very often. But I, I was in the corner on the left hand side, Johnny Barnes, and I think I bought him a hot dog back as well because you know they were that clever. They're, they're yeah. a lot. They're a lot. More clever in the, in and a lot more cute, and you just you get a bit more time on the ball, but they're just they're, just, they're one step ahead of you, or try to be. We've sort of got to do that to teams in that division. With with that drop off towards the end of the season, though, do you think the constraints in the, the the small the small squad skeleton type squad we've got, where we've used the least players in League One? I think, yeah, from we, my perspective, yeah. that kind of started to show towards the end. Yeah, ran out of steam. Uh, uh, I mean. I mean, David, David McGoldrick, what, what a fantastic player he's been throughout his career and, and he showed just how good he, he is at finishing in that league. And hopefully, I'm not sure what's going on, but hopefully he, he will stay. You know, I'd say he's got another season in him. Um, and you, you build, I mean, young cash in at the back. Yeah. Um, he's a good player. He's a good player, but he needs, he needed Curtis Davis, who's got the experience alongside him all season. You know, to bring him on, but he's been he's been sort of called upon to be the the, the main the main guy, and he's only a young lad. But well, he has at times played as a five, hasn't he, Phil? He's played as a yeah. centre half, which I don't think he's really cut out to be a, a big no, powerful I, I, five, I, I, is he? 
I think he'd, he'd benefit next season if we bring in somebody, a big central defender alongside him. Yeah. I think he'll come on leaps and bounds for that. Oh, he will. He will, yeah. I'd still beat him in a foot race, though. <laughs> <laughs> what, even now? No, no, not now. <laughs> but I played. <laughs> uh, I don't think I could beat anybody in a foot race at the minute. Well, you've uh, yeah, you you never first to uh, or in a rush to get to the bar. We always beat you for that one. So, um... mate, why do you think I got slower, <laughs> Matt? What do you um, as you look back on the season? There's been some amazing moments. Obviously, it's ended up being a disappointing end, but there's been some amazing moments uh, along the way. I think for me, like Anfield was a really nice moment. When you look at the the story arc of nearly losing the club and then going and drawing at Anfield, I thought that was a really nice moment. Uh, the the three minutes of craziness at Atkinson Stanley with the two penalty misses and we got the run and score. There's just been some really really good moments. What what stand out for you this season as as those top moments? Um, I mean, you've obviously you've done the you've walked the walk and talked the talk the home and away only this season. Mate, I take my hat off to you for that. I've probably done about ten eleven away games and like you say, the Liverpool uh, evening was a superb night. Um, and then uh, the Port Vale. Result. I mean, that's just something Derby don't do, do we? We, we don't have that, like you say, the mad two or three minutes uh, where we're one nil down with two or three minutes to go and, and we flip it round. I mean, that was a crazy night. Um, and uh, yeah, there's, there'll, there'll be some nice memories that have come out of the season. I mean, the uh, and again, I think when we look at that amazing run we had, um, I think it showed sort of the quality of the division. When you look at Sheffield Wednesday get 96 points and then you see how they played on Friday and they haven't really got a football on the pitch. And these people who said, oh, Barry Bannon, best player in league one, blah, 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 blah. I'm sorry. I mean, they they just walked around me, didn't they, on Friday night, Peterborough. They made him look, you know, inferior. So, uh, but yeah, we, we've had, we, all, we always have great times, don't we, on, on the road with the Rams. And uh, as I say, with, with McGoldrick's hat-tricks this season at home, that's quite special to see. A player getting sort of uh, a couple in in the same season. I mean, we had, you know we had to wait God knows how long, didn't we, to see some score a hat trick for us? And all of a sudden, we've got a guy who sort of gets them in bunches. So, uh, so yeah, there's been some good moments this year. And, and I think just to get, like you say, just to get our club back this season, it's been amazing, and it's reflected in the attendances on the road as as well as at home. I mean, if it hadn't been for the reduced allocation. Um, with uh, Wickham and with Sheffield Wednesday, we'd have had the top away average as well, wouldn't we? So, uh, but yeah, it's, it's been a it's been a nice little season for us and and, and a stabilising one, which is the main thing. Just touching back on that Sheffield Wednesday result on on Friday night, Phil. How how do as an ex pro, how do those freak results happen? What happens there? Is it is that how they've set up? Is it an attitude thing? Did you, I don't know if you watched the game. I didn't. I, I wouldn't watch it. Um, a, because I've got two mates at work who are Sheffield Wednesday fans and they would not have it that it was such a soft penalty. And, you know, I mean, looking in hindsight, they should have won the game, uh, lost the game and then they'd have thought they'd have had a better chance against us. But we'd have probably done the same to them as Peter did if they come with that attitude. They, they uh, You see the result and you see the possession and all that on the on the on the stats because obviously I just I didn't watch it but you just can't understand how Sheffield can go did, did they go there with the thought that they're going to walk because they finished 19 points in front it's going to be easy you see that with a lot of uh, a lot of players I mean I go to Man United Brighton beat Man United 1-0 yeah 
next game they lose 6-0 at home at 5-1 at home to Everton and people saying why is that I said because they're not playing Man United they thought it was going to be easy you go with that attitude you're going to lose you've got to go with the attitude of winning every game you've got to have the hunger to do it as well I think it, with, with Sheffield Wednesday this season as well there's it's been. I had a Sheffield Wednesday fan on last week, and he was kind of saying that they've turned on Darren Moore in recent weeks. Anyway, so I think it's not been, or even though they've got ninety six points and it looks on paper like a good season, I don't think Sheffield Wednesday fans are necessarily happy with the style of football and and what's happening at the club. Anyway, so which seems for me is a, is a bit bad when you get ninety six points that you can't be happy well, with the football. I mean, I mean, you look at when we won it, we got eighty four points and won it. 96 points, we'd have probably been about our mid-table if, we'd have, if that was the state, you know, that was what the, the points they were collecting, we wouldn't have got promoted. But we won the league with 84 points. I saw a, um, I saw a stat that it was it, in every football league season ever, 93 points has been enough in all leagues to get automatic promotion before yeah. Wednesday, which is incredible, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you look at the, I mean, the National League, I mean, you know, it, it's worked out this time that Notts County have gone up as well. Uh, but to get get over 100 points and not get promoted <laughs> would have been shocking. Yeah. It would be devastating. Yeah. But Wednesday were 19 points in front of Peterborough, weren't they? I think. Am I right? Yes, yeah, 19, 19 points, yeah. Yeah. You, 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 tend to, you tend to find, though, that the, person, the, the team that finishes sixth that gets the momentum. And I mean, when I was with Leicester, we finished sixth and got promoted. I think we finished sixth when we played Derby. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it can't be anything worse than being third when you're so far clear. I know. You just missed out on automatically. That's got to have a massive psychological impact yeah. on the team. Must have. Well, it, it does. I mean, you, you know, you, because you think you deserve it, because it used to be three goal and three down. Yeah. Uh, it's obviously three down and two up plus one at the yeah. six. It's it's exciting at the end of a season. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you you get a trip to Wembley. Um, look, I was lucky enough to do that four times as a squad player. But to finish third and not get promoted must be must be devastating. I was pleased for Notts County yesterday because yeah. like I said, they really genuinely deserve to go up, didn't they? And, they did. It would have been nice for Chesterfield, being a Derbyshire club, to to go up. Yeah. Rather than Nottinghamshire. The black and white, the cold county in the hate forest, so they're good enough for me. <laughs> yeah. I'll drink to that. <laughs> Coon in the middle of the field, then to Kennedy, and Kennedy's square ball, a wretched one to Callahan, and Callahan lifts it straight out to G. G with a run down the middle of the field, Stancliffe's in trouble. G goes through and puts it into the bottom of the net. A straight run through for Phil G, but give uh, Nigel Callahan due credit for a superb ball, a superb ball, and Phil G running from outside the centre circle, beating Stancliffe for pace all afternoon, pushed it past him, outran the centre half, and as Burridge came out, the neatest of goals slipped past the goalkeeper. There goes the whistle. Derby County have achieved the record, 103-year history. Their 11th away win. I'm going to just uh, I want to talk to uh, we'll come back to the season in a sec but I want to just talk about Phil because we've got the opportunity to have him on and, and a bit about your career at Derby but Matt 
for for those of us who are lucky enough not to be old enough to um, to remember Phil in his heyday, just how good was he? Phil was great. It, it was really exciting times because obviously we we come out of a bad spell in Div Three, and, um, and 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 Phil, it was like many of the players at that time, people you could identify with who. Um, he made his way through the ranks of, of non-league football and uh, just to see the, the impact he had when he came in um, when we had the likes of him and Bobby who were just pacey, direct, finish, could finish, uh, nick goals from out of nowhere at times and uh, there, there were really exciting times when, when Arthur came in. Um, I mean, I, my early memories were of of the sort of the Clough and Mackay days of, of the squads then. And then we had the sort of impasse of the late 70s with Addison and John Newman managing. And, and there, were, there were bad times for Derby. We had some really poor football and poor footballers playing for us. And then all of a sudden, sort of Arthur comes in and within 12, 18 months, we've got this fantastic rise through the ranks again. And, uh, and it was great to see, like I say, like Phil and Bobby, who came in that sort of the old Div 3 and they came through to Div 1 and they were still finding the target, hitting the net for, for Derby. Um, and there were players that we'd sort of grown up with and, and seen them develop and, and come through and, and put us in that, well, that top six again by the end of the 80s. So uh, it, they were great times, but, uh, but Phil was great. Phil was lethal and, um, you know, he, uh, I, I just I just love to watch him and Bobby the way they played, you know, both. Similar, but again, like you know, Phil would just like get out of his feet, direct towards the goal, and just smash it with either foot before the keeper set himself. And uh, uh, yeah, yeah, it was great times, great times. What are, you, what are your memories of that time, Phil? Can you can you remember that far back? Well, a lot of it just seems like yesterday, mate. You know, you can I can still go back to the the, the day I got a phone call from Gresley to tell me that Derby wanted to sign me. And uh, I don't know whether you can swear on podcasts, but uh, I, I, I actually I said, stop pissing about. What do you really want? And he's like, no, Derby want to sign it. And I said, well, I don't believe it. He said, well, when can you go to see him? So I said, well, call your bluff. We can go tomorrow. So he set it all up for, like, I think it was 11 o'clock in the morning to go and see Arthur and Stuart Webb. And it was then I started to shit myself. <laughs> so I'm thinking, well, I've gone from watching these players playing on the TV to actually I'll be in the same dressing room as them. It was so surreal. I mean, first game in the reserves, Barnsley away. Uh, we did some training before we left. And I was knackered before I got on the coach because I was only two days into training. <laughs> so we get to Barnsley, I set one up, score the winner, and ended up with like 32 goals in 28 games. Absolutely Brilliant season. Won the Central League. Absolutely, you know, I was on cloud nine. You know, you just couldn't believe it, how easy football was. Honestly. What did you think the Central League was to your development, Phil? Oh, he's a massive, mate. Massive. He gave you so much confidence. Because you play against, like, in them days, you played against the players that were sort of injured, coming back from injury. They're like, I mean, we played Liverpool away. And we won 3-1 and we, they had five first teamers playing for him who we were coming back from injury. We went one nil down after about 12 seconds. And I can remember Steve Biggins and we were just about to kick off like for, after the first goal, or for the second time in a minute. 
And uh, he said to me, he said, this is going to be a cricket score. <laughs> and we, we beat them 3-1. Do you think that could work today, the Central League? Yeah, of course it could, yeah. It gives you, you sort of, I wouldn't say fully match fit, but you're playing a great standard of football. It was a really good standard. Uh, you know, uh, it, it was good. To, you played at the grounds, at, at, at the, the, on the first team pitches, and which weren't the best in them days anyway. But you still you got to play at the likes of Old Trafford. I went to Sheffield Wednesday, and I asked the groundsman for a map because it looked that big when you walked out of the tunnel. It, yeah, it was it was just a massive arena. But it was it was integrally my my sort of confidence for the following season. Is there a is there a case for it? And Matt made a brilliant point and I've spoken to coaches <laughs> and players when they've come on the podcast before that the under, does the under 23s, under 21s necessarily work because you can get a professional contract and, and not play a professional game until 21. If so does, does that work or can it be different? Yeah well we, we used to we used to play quite a lot of the, the uh, youth team in games as well if um, the first team had got a, a midweek game and you had the uh, like the squad players who normally play in the reserves weren't included, so the, the apprentices would come in and play. In. I mean, do, do the do the squad players play in the under twenty threes? Are they allowed? Yeah, they did. They did allow. Yeah. I, I don't know whether it's still because uh, I've not really had that many games this season where I've been on the mic for the under twenty ones or or twenty threes, whichever way it is. But I know at one time they were allowed maybe one or two players over the age limit. So, like, so. Yeah, so so the squad players who don't sort of play regular first team, who are old, too old for the under twenty threes, what do they do? But the thing is, Phil, because our squad's been so small for such a period of time now, I don't think we dare risk too many players playing outside of the squad anyway, have we? Uh, you know, you, you you if you get you get called upon after five minutes to come on, you need you need your match fitness. So the central yeah. league was good for that. Yeah, players were ready, and I don't, I don't, I don't understand why people say, "Oh, there's too many games and this, that, and the other." You can't play enough games in, when you when you're playing football for a living. Yeah, you want to play every game because if you miss a game, whoever takes your place may do enough to keep. Like look at the likes of Mark Lillis when he came from Man City to us after we got promoted to the second division. Mark Lillis came in, he got injured, and. I, I took his place, you know, because I was ready with playing reserves in the reserves. You certainly played a, a lot more games then, didn't you? I, I remember we, I had um, Kevin Keegan did a speaker night for me, and he, did, he does a little bit going through the Liverpool squad. I think it was the season they won the league, and they'd all played between sort of sixty-five and seventy-five games that season. Yeah, so amazing, isn't it? You know, today and on pitches where you couldn't run in them sometimes, could you? They were that heavy and. You know, like the old baseball ground. You, you, see, you see the reels, like uh, on May the 9th, it came through that, you know, we got promoted against uh, Rotherham. Yeah, I was there that night. <laughs> I yeah. tell you, you're running through a ploughed field. Yeah. But, I mean, imagine those teams of them days playing on pitches of nowadays. You know, it, we'd wipe people off the park. Is there a moment that you look back on in your career that you wish you could just experience one more time? Like the the go to memory that you if you just sat there like you are now and it, it pops in your head, you think I won't mind having that feeling once more. Winning, winning, winning a league, winning a league is 
such a good feeling because it's like, I mean, how many games we play? 46? After 46 games, you've been the most consistent team in, in that league. And at the end of it, you've got, a, you've got a medal to say that you have actually won a football league winner, which is phenomenal. I don't look at it as often as I can because uh, I gave it to my son to put in his uh, bar downstairs in his, uh, in his house. But it's in a nice frame. It's got Craig Forsyth shirt one side. But I do want Erin Cashin's the other side. Got a nice defensive partnership there just to defend it, look after it. You've, uh, you've laid the groundwork for that shirt, haven't you? I've already asked him. <laughs> so I've, got to, I've got to get it off Davo one day. <laughs> Before we, I want to get back to, I'm going to t- turn you both into managers for the last bit in a, in a second and speak about who you bring in if you could and what kind of players and stuff. But we can't have you on, Phil, without, on a podcast without a story. What's the, what's your go-to after dinner speech story or have you got a funny story for us? Well, there's always the one when I went to sign for Leicester. I'll tell you that one. Yeah. I sort of turn up at the, the hotel on the Junction 24 of the M1 to wait for John Gregory because he was one of the coaches at Leicester. And he was going to take us to, he was going to take me to Brian Little's house. So I'm waiting for him. He turns up and he says, Where's Sticks? The Norman Droid. And I says, Well, he's not my agent. What's, what do you want him for? He says, Oh, no, no, he's coming as well. I says, Oh, well, I don't know where he is. Anyway, he turns up and we follow John to, to Brian's house. And we sat, sat down in his front room and Brian calls. He said, Who's first then from his office? So I said to Sticks, I says, you go. And uh, Sticks is there. And Greg gets up to go and have a, have a wee or wash his hands or something. I put my ear to the door and I hear Brian Little say, it's, it's all right, we'll, uh, we'll give you a cortisone injection. And I hear John walking back, so I go and sit down. Anyway, the door opens. Sticks comes out. I go in and I sit down. And Brian Little's just about to talk and I say, Excuse me, before you start, uh, Mr. Little, I said, if he's having a car, I want one. <laughs> <laughs> but I haven't got that many funny stories um, that I can tell, anyway. But Brilliant. Some people like your mother might be, might be listening. <laughs> uh, but uh, now that it was a good time, mate. Um, I'm, I'm wearing the top. I used to be a Villa fan. Yeah. Um, I signed for Derby. They gave me my chance, and my allegiances changed that day. I became not only a Derby County player, but I became a Derby County supporter. And since I packed, even when I went to Leicester, I still supported Derby. Broke my heart to score two against them, but I was trying to prove a point to Arthur Cox. It's um, it's nice because you've said it a couple of times when I've seen you at Pride Park that when I, when I come back here, I feel like I'm at home. Yeah, it is. Dot. Derby, the whole town, well, city, is where I spent most of my life. And even though I've moved here, there and everywhere and worked here, there and everywhere, when I go back to Derby, it just seems like I'm at home. And hopefully one day I'll get back there. We can go out and you can buy me a pint. <laughs> yeah, let's not, yeah, let's not be silly. Um <laughs> Right, so for just for this last bit now, I want to turn you both into managers. Matt, we'll go, we'll go first. Um, 
If you could bring in now, if you're if you're in Paul Warren's seat now, looking at next season, what do you think we need um, to? You've, we've had a season, and we've looked at League One now. What kind of players do you think we need, and, and who would you bring in? Not necessarily specific players, but what kind of players and what areas? Yeah, I think um, we we need at least one big, powerful centre half, um, and and I think a player who would have really reveled in, in the, the kind of football we played at times this season would have been something like Billy Sharp, who I think he would have had 20-25 goals at playing for Derby this season with McGoldrick up top. I'm sure he would. Just somebody who's got that knack of putting the ball in the net. You look at the time, you know, I mean, the Portsmouth game is a case in point. You know, have we got an out-and-out goal scorer or fox in the box, as they used to call him? Um, I'm sure we would have probably cleared into the playoffs by a comfortable margin of points. So, uh, so yeah, got, got, um, I think he's, from what the gaffer said, he's looking at wing-backs for both sides, isn't he? Um, but, uh, again, a lot of it's going to be down to who we retain, really, isn't it? Um, if we keep Birdie, which I hope we will do, and uh, and Harahan alongside him, you know, I think that's a, a really promising um, partnership in there. And if they stay fit next season, they they could have a massive part of getting us into that top six again. What would you go for, Phil, if you're, if you're Warley now, looking at the squad? I'd still, I'd, I'd still play the same way that we used to. You know, you, have a, you go through our team, we had a good goalkeeper. Through the middle, the spine of the team, we had a, a ball winner and a ball player, sort of Rob Imart, uh, Ross McLaren, ball winner, ball player. Midfield, ball winner, ball player, George Williams, and uh, John Gregory. We had two good wingers. We had two full-backs that overlapped, and we had two pacey strikers. Cause pace causes havoc to teams. So, and also you've got you've got to get players that will sort of gel together as well, and have a you've got to have a good team spirit. You've got to get players in that ain't going to cause trouble. You know, you've got to have a settled dressing room. And Paul Warren's doing it right because he's got he keeps it he keeps. He's number two with him. His coach is with him. So that they all know each other. and They all know what to expect of each other. And that's a calming influence on players as well. Not having upset of bringing somebody else in. Like, and the manager's got to have confidence in them. Like you were saying earlier about uh, Frank Lampard and Jody Morris. He hasn't got Jody. Do we trust it? You know? And he's struggling. Because he hasn't got... He, he's calming influence, maybe. Was was management anything or coaching anything you you considered at any point? No. Well, because I had to, I got a plan of becoming a physio. I wanted to become a physio. And back in my day, when you did a two year course, you became a physio. So I thought, well, get to the age of thirty three, and then I'll I'll start thinking about that. But I had to pack in at thirty one, and I was sort of in the real world then. So. Having to, having to work for a living to, to, to support the family and all that. Um, it's something I, should, I should, probably should have done, but never got round to it. Would the PFA have encouraged you to have done that? If physio would they have backed you and paid to put you through that at the time? Or? They, would, they would have done, yeah, because you, you, um, they would have paid for anything if you'd have a change of direction in your career. Even now, if I wanted to do something, the PFA would probably pay for it. It's just having the time to do it. When you're working like 10 hours a day, five days or sometimes seven days a week, 
you ain't got time to do anything else because you at my age, you're tired when you get home and you just want to get to sleep. <laughs> it's um, it's been brilliant, boys. I look forward to um to seeing you both in the yard at some point next season for a post match. I, I think we'll we'll catch up over the uh, over the summer. We got the cricket. Don't yeah. It's a Colin Bloomfield Cup, yeah, at Sponded that we're yes. playing. Uh, yeah. July the 16th, isn't it? So, you know. Yeah. Every, everybody who watches this should get down there and have a, have a watch of that because it's a really good day. I'll come down and carry the water bottles. Yeah, but, you know, if you don't put any more weight on, you could still be one of the stumps. <laughs> <laughs> Oi, this is my podcast. Oh, sorry, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I do the jokes around here. Okay. Hey, no, but in all seriousness, thank you so much for, for looking back. And um, it's always good to chat with you both. So I, I really appreciate right. it. It's, it's been, been a pleasure, mate. Yeah. Has. Enjoy your holiday, Phil. Well, you know, it's a bit sunny. The sun's just come out, actually. So I'm going to have to move towards the beach. Yeah, we'll have to turn the camera around and show you. No, you're okay. No, don't. Don't, don't go out of your way. All right, mate. <laughs> yeah, turn the, cam- turn the camera around because the sun's shining off your forehead. Anyway. Bye. See you later.